Uh, hey, I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Uh, this morning we're starting a brand new series, like AJ was talking about, called Job. It's, uh, actually, it's Job, the significance of suffering. It's not job, okay? We're not going to be talking about your jobs and when you need to be doing better at your jobs. Thanks. But, uh, but we're talking about this guy, um, this ancient man in the Old Testament, whose name was Job. And I'm excited about it because this is like one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, okay? It might be the, my, might be my exact favorite story. Um, well, maybe, maybe it should be Jesus coming to save me, you know, and dying on the cross for me and so I don't have to go to hell. That's pretty good too. But uh, so let's say this. This is my second favorite story um, in the entire Bible. And it's a story that's often overlooked, okay? Not often do you go to a church and and hear, you know, hear about the story of Job, okay? And probably most of us in here, we've probably heard of Job. Um, but, uh, but we're going to really dive in deep uh, into this story. And uh, it's a story that we're, we're actually going to be looking at for the next five weeks. Um, I had to pull the other pastors because we do, the way we do things is we, uh, we do, a, you know, all, the cam- all three campuses, Northwood, Fremont, and Tiffin, we all do our messages together. And we do the same, same series together. And, uh, and I'm like, guys, we got to do Job. It's my favorite. Come on, guys. Come on, please. Let's do a series on Job. And they're like, okay, we'll do, we'll do a couple weeks on Job. I'm like, no, like five weeks. Come on. And so you guys are just, and I won somehow. They, they were like, okay, we're going to do it. So here we are. We're going to be doing this for the next five weeks. And I'm super excited about it because this story is about a real God who allows real problems to affect a real, to enter the life, really, of a real man. And it's something that we can all relate to, and it's, it really answers a lot of questions that we might have. It addresses the problem of bad things happening in our world, specifically suffering in our life. Now, have you ever noticed the bad things happen? And you guys, like, realize that, you know, at all sometime during your life that, yeah, there's some bad things in this world, right? Or, or has your life ever gone, you know, life ever, you know, happened where something happens in your life that it goes the way that you don't necessarily intend? Like things happen in your life that you don't necessarily want. Have you ever like, like where some bad news just hits you and it's just, you know, you're, we've all been there where we're just standing like in the midst of it where our eyes are wide open. We don't really know what to do where we just ask the question, why? Why did this have to enter my life? Or what, why did this have to happen? Right? I, uh, for some reason, well, let me say this. I wear uh, contacts, okay? We got other people who wear contacts out there, right? I got bad eyes, all right? If, yeah, and uh, I guess, and, uh, but I hate wearing glasses, okay, so that's why I wear contacts, because glasses is like a metal thing wrapped around your head, like who wants to wear something like that? Like I, it just bothers me as it sits on my nose and, you know, it's just, it's just annoying to me. And so I'm really big into contacts, but every August for like the last four Augusts, I don't know what the deal is, I think it's like allergies or something, but like my contacts don't work. Okay, meaning it's like blurry and it drives me crazy. My eyes are, and again, I think it's allergies, but you know, maybe I'm slowly losing my eyesight. That could be too. But it only is in August, so I don't know what the deal is. But I'll, you know, sometimes, like this past week, I'm driving down the road, which is probably dangerous, and uh, I'm driving down the road and everything's blurry. I'm just like, I'm just like, why? Like, what's the point of this? Like, this is just so annoying, you know? I don't wanna wear glasses. And I don't know why my contacts aren't working this month as they do the other 11 months. I don't know what the deal is. Sometimes I just ask, why? You ever have something annoying just happen in your life? It's not like horrible, but it's just like, uh, like some of you, you know, anybody out there this week as you heard the Big Ten canceled college football and you're just like, are you kidding me? Why? Like 2020 is the worst year ever of my entire life. You know, it's just, it's just like gets worse and worse and worse and worse. 
Now, we all recognize that there are much more, you know, worse things. There are much worse things that happen in, in this world, okay? We all recognize that. Much more important than college football being canceled uh, or Ohio State being canceled. I mean, think about it. We look around, and we see so many things that just seem wrong, right? There's so many things that, that just don't seem right. Like, well, like, a ter- you know, terrorist attacks, which happen periodically, where people get hurt and someone's killed. And we just, so don't you ever just wonder why? Why did God allow that? Why did that have to happen? Or, you know, we, most of us, we've probably all been in this boat where a loved one ends up dying or passing away. And you ever just, you know, just like, why, why did this have to happen now? Like, why, why this in my life? Or why would God allow a baby to be born with a disability? Like, why? Or why would God allow nations to go to war where innocent people in, end up dying? And, and, and why would God allow, you know, like what we've been talking about the last couple weeks with, uh, with those four kids, uh, there's four Burmese refugees um, who, uh, who were helping, you know, pay, were paying for their hospital bills on the other side of the world, all right? Why would God allow four, you know, teenage boys to, to get blown up by a landmine? Why would he allow that to enter their life? What about all the injustices in this world? Why are there epidemics? Why are we dealing with this COVID thing? Why do people get diseases and diagnosed with different, different things? Like why? Why is there evil? Why is there suffering? Because the truth is, and some of you guys, you've experienced this. Maybe, maybe a lot of you guys have experienced this. The truth is, every single one of us, we're going to get that call in the middle of the night where the words accident, death, cancer, divorce, those words are going to enter our life. And some tragedy is going to come that's going to be unexpected, something we didn't know was going to happen. We're all going to be there. Some of you, maybe you're in the middle of some storm right now. Maybe you're in the middle of, of what's going uh, some terrible situation that's going on like right now, and you don't really know what to do. You don't know where to turn. You don't know why this is happening. You don't know how necessarily you're going to get through. And if you're not going through that right now, I promise you, you're going to be going through that soon because that's what life is. Life has suffering. The world that we live in has fallen. And the question that I feel like we just kind of naturally, uh, you know, ask is, is why? Why did this, why is all this happening? It's funny because suffering necessarily isn't, um, we don't really have a problem with that if we get down, you know, deep. Uh, because when we see somebody get punished for when they do something wrong, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times, you know, we think, well, good, you know, they, they, they're getting what they deserve. Like when someone lives an evil life, like track with me here, when someone lives an evil life and, and they hurt a bunch of people around them or they hurt different people and they just, you know, they just do bad things um, to others and it finally all catches up to them and kind of gets exposed to the light. You know, what do we think? And they get punished. What do we think? We're like, hey, they deserve that suffering. Like that's good. Although, by the way, none of us view ourselves as those people. See, we understand the idea of suffering, and I feel like most of us, if we're truthfully honest with ourselves, yeah, we accept the idea of suffering. And so the real question that we have, and I actually mentioned this a couple weeks ago, is this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Like, that's our problem. That's where our question kind of stems to. Why do bad things happen to good people? And that's where the story of Job comes in. That's why I love this story uh, so much. It's maybe the oldest book written in the Bible, kind of the, the situation or when, when this happens, like the timetable, the timeline, timetable, whatever, is um, before Abraham, probably right before Abraham. So, so this is like ancient, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. 
um, this guy named, you know, we're going to be looking at this guy named Job. And it's through this true story that God teaches us so much, so much about ourselves, so much about God, and so much about suffering. And I don't know of a man who has suffered more than Job. And so today, really what we're going to do, and that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks, um, uh, what I'm going to be doing is we're going to be focusing mostly on introducing Job, and uh, we're going to pull some stuff out, right? And we're going to uh, try to apply that to our life. So you guys, you guys ready? You good? All right, just letting you know, you're going to want to be here for the next five weeks in a row. Otherwise, you're going to get lost because this is a story, and it's going to progress every week, and, and you're going to get messed up. So don't skip a week, okay? All right. All right, let's start off. Let's start the story. Job chapter 1. Verse 1, it says, there was a man in the country of Uz named Job. Now, Uz, some of you guys are going to get stuck right there where you're just like, Uz, what's that? Is that real? Is that a real name? Um, some scholars pronounce it ooze. I don't like to use the word ooze for anything because it's just kind of a gross word. So we're going to call it Uz. No one wants to be from the country of ooze. Um, at least I don't. But, uh, but us, as scholars are, are, they have, there's two main opinions out there about where this land once was. Uh, this is before Israel, before Israel even existed. So this is way back when. Um, but some people say, if you know where Israel is kind of on the map, um, some people, some scholars say, no, this is a country near the Sea of Galilee, up nor- kind of northern Israel type area. And then others would say, actually the exact opposite, they would say, uh, yeah, it could be there, but it also might be way down south. And so, um, like southern Israel or southern Palestine. And so, where the land of us doesn't really matter, um, because it just doesn't matter. But, uh, but that's just some background kind of on where that was. So there was a man in the country of Uz named Job. Now, who was Job? He was a man of complete integrity who feared God and he turned away from evil. Now, this is how the Bible introduces us to Job. It starts off by uh, describing his reputation. And what, what does the Bible say? How, how does the Bible, you know, introduce, it starts off saying, hey, this is a man of complete integrity. There's kind of three things here. It's complete integrity, fear God, and turn away from evil that describes Job's reputation or who Job was or, Job was or what Job was known for. So a man of complete integrity, actually some, some translations use the word blameless here. Now this doesn't mean that Job was perfect. It doesn't mean Job didn't struggle, Job didn't have any temptation, Job didn't anything like that. Actually, this means it's in the sense of that, not that, that Job was blameless before God. This is in the sense that Job was blameless before his peers, right, before his, before his community, meaning there was no ongoing major sin in Job's life that he was really struggling with, really wrestling with. All right, he had beaten all those, all those sins in his life, and, uh, and he was blameless before others, meaning he was a generally good guy. He was a good guy to everybody, and nobody could blame him for anything, right? No one could accuse him for anything. Nobody had any dirt on Job because they couldn't find any. It was, it was non-existent. Right? That's who Job was. He was a man of complete integrity, but he also, it says, feared God. Now, fearing God yeah, just kind of bothers us a little bit a lot of times because we're like, well, I don't, you know, we don't want to you know, believe in a God who we have to be afraid of. You know, I don't want to be scared of, of my God. But, but there's an aspect, I think this is actually a problem with a lot of our lives and a lot of the reason why a lot of us are struggling with different sins, okay? Different problems, different things that we do wrong. Right? Because I don't think, our, I think one of our main issues is we don't fear God like we should. Well, how do we view God? Well, a lot of us, we view God as our buddy, right? Hey, Jesus is my buddy, you know, I'm 
asking you for stuff. Hey, help me out on this test or, you know, whatever it might be. You know, we, we ask God for all this stuff. Keep me safe. Keep me healthy. And, uh, and what do we view God? We view God as like this buddy of ours that we could just kind of, you know, laugh with and, and, you know, ask him for all this stuff that he could give us. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. You know, I don't really, you know, some, we're like, we don't really know how that all works. But, but we don't respect God the way that should, we should necessarily respect him. And I think that's why a lot of us have such an issue with different sins in our life, because we don't fear God. We view God as our buddy. Job didn't view God as his buddy. Job viewed God as his king and authority, as a being who can wipe him out when he wants to. See, there should be some sort of respect there. It's almost a respect of power, a respect of his majesty, See, Job, he feared God. And because he feared God, he says he turned away from evil. Not that he was perfect, but that he made sure that when he was faced with some temptation, the temptation works the same for every single one of us, so you're not different than anybody else. But when he was faced with temptation or this situation came into his life where, you know, he had the you know, he, he had the choice to sin or not to sin. You know what Job did? He turned around. It has the idea of like an action, okay? It's like, here's this thing, Satan's dangling it in front of us, and we're just like, no, I don't want that. I'm going this way. I'm not looking at it, right? That's what Job did. It was like he chose to sin. He chose not, he chose to sin. He chose not to sin at all costs. He resisted temptation. He removed himself by, from, uh, from bad situations in his life. I guess the main difference maybe between us and Job is that Job took his sin seriously. He cared. He put a ton of effort into doing what God had called him to do, into doing what's right, into being righteous. See, Job was a righteous man, and he had a special relationship with God, and here's the key, his reputation reflected that. His reputation reflected his, his relationship with God. And, and things begin well for Job, all right? A lot of you guys have heard the story, right? Uh, Job, he, the Bible tells us he's got seven sons, he's got three daughters, he's got 7,000 sheep, he's got 3,000 camels, he's got 500 yoke of oxen, and he's got uh, 500 female donkeys and like tons of servants. Now, for us today, that doesn't mean much, and we're like, all right, so... You know, 500 donkeys, okay, that's cool, I guess. You know, we don't, that's just not how we measure wealth. We don't measure wealth by, you know, how many, uh, you know, I don't go around and say, hey, how many camels do you have? I don't ask that. I don't care. Actually, by the way, if you do have a camel, that is sweet, all right, and I do respect you for that. Um, but a pet camel would be awesome. Um, but that's not, that's just not how we work in this day and age. How do we do it? How do we measure wealth? Well, we measure wealth by, we look at people's houses, Right? Oh, well, what kind of house do they live in? How many houses do they live in? We look at 401K. How much money do they have in that? How much money do they have in their, in their bank accounts? Uh, what kind of clothes that they wear? What kind of car that they drive? How many cars do they have? Do they have a boat? You know, we, just, we measure by all this different stuff. It's, it's the same thing that, that kind of that God is, is, that the Bible is saying here. It's just we measure differently. See, back then it was all in livestock. So 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, like to us it's like, I don't know what that means. Is that good? Is that bad? This is inconceivably uh, rich. 
Uh, Job is like beyond rich. He's like the richest man in the whole area. Actually, this guy's like, he's like the Bill Gates of the time. Like people back then, if they had that many, you know, livestock, they wouldn't know what to do with that. They wouldn't know what to do with all their money. They, they had just way more than what they need. That's what Job has. The Bible says that he is the greatest of all the men of the East. And this really pertains to Job's wealth and his status as a, in, in his community. All right, so this is, this is Job. This is who Job is. He was the person that we would look at, you know, that everyone wanted to be. People would look at him and just think to themselves, they'd be like, oh, man, if I were like Job, like if I would have Job's life, I wouldn't have any problems. If I, if I could just have what Job had, if I, could, if I could have the life that he had, if I could be Job, then all my problems would just melt away. If I could be like that man, I'd have everything that I need. See, unlike some people who have everything, Job was extremely humble about it. Actually, the Bible tells us that Job, um, he was a family man, and he was a great dad. And what he would do is uh, his, his, his uh, sons and daughters, they shared in his wealth. They shared in that blessing, in a sense, and, um, which isn't wrong by any means. And so what they would do is probably, this sounds like this happened on a regular basis, probably even weekly, is they would have a uh, party for each other. So one would host a party. They invite all their brothers and sisters, all their family over, and they, would, and they would hang out with each other and spend time with each other. And what Job would do the next morning, because he cared about his kids, is he would get up early in the morning and he would sac- make a sacrifice or offer a sacrifice to God, right, just in case maybe one of, his, um, one of his sons or one of his daughters maybe sinned in their heart against God without knowing it. See, Job cared. He cared about his kids. He put effort into caring about his kids, and it showed. See, Job was an extremely godly man, and he was an extremely successful man, and everybody around knew it. Everybody around noticed. And then the Bible says that one day, Angels, they came to present themselves before the Lord and uh, in heaven, and Satan tags along with them. And this is what happens in verse 6. He says, one day the sons of God, sons of God is just another word for angels, um, came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord asked Satan, he says, hey, where have you come from? From roaming through the earth, Satan answered, and walking around on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, he says, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him. He's a man of, here we go again, here's his reputation. We see it again. He says, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. Now, when I read this this week and I was working on this and trying to figure out how to, you know, what's going on here, it really got me thinking. You know, I'm wondering like right now, like just think about this for a second. Right now. If Satan showed up in the throne room of God, what would God say about me? What would God say about you? I mean, here it's clear that, you know, God's proud of Job, right? Obviously, we see that. I mean, he's like boasting about Job. He's bragging to Satan about Job. Well, what would God say about you right now? How would God define you or how would God describe you? See, the thing we got to remember is that God... You know, he doesn't only look at the things that we do. That's what we look at. We look at the outside. This, you know, we, because we can't, we don't know what's in people's hearts. And, you know, so we judge by their works and judge by the thing, you know, how they live their life. But God, he doesn't do that. He looks at the heart. 
No, think about it. He knows the things that you think. He knows the things that you feel. He knows when you feel hate towards somebody or jealousy towards somebody or lust towards somebody. He knows every single time. And for God to be bragging on Job, that really speaks to how righteous Job actually was. See, a lot of us in here, we're like, yeah, I've heard this story before. I know how this, you know, I know how this story goes. This is the part, right, where, where Satan goes up and, and he asks, you know, God if he can kind of mess up Job's life. But notice, actually, that's not what happens, right? It's actually the opposite of, uh, you know, of that. It's actually God is the one who mentions Job's first. Did you notice that? It's not Satan saying, Satan doesn't want to talk about Job. Satan doesn't want to even come close to that subject. He doesn't want to talk about Job to anybody. And so it's God who mentions Job first. I mean, can you picture this scene? I mean, this is such an awesome scene. Like, like picture it from some other parts of the Bible. We know kind of what the scene in heaven looks like. But you got God sitting on his throne. And you got the angels, and they're all screaming and shouting at the top of their lungs, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They're worshiping God. And probably when Satan comes in, like through the little back door or something, you know, and they see that, they're probably shouting even louder, like, oh, Satan's here. We've got to get crazy. You know, they're probably going crazy. And they're, they're, they're worshiping God, and they're, and they're going nuts. And, and kind of how I picture uh, Satan, and I picture him like standing over here in the corner just like, Oh, this is stupid, you know, just whining, complaining, rolling his eyes, you know, that's, I picture Satan over there, and then, and God, as all this is happening, and the angels, they, they don't even look at God, they got their eyes covered with their wings, you know, they don't even want to look at God, because God is so holy and perfect, and while all this is happening, everybody, you know, everybody's there, they're worshiping God, God looks over at Satan, standing in the corner, he says, hey, where have you been? What have you been up to? Satan kind of mumbles to him, saying, I don't know, roaming around on the earth, walking around on it. Doesn't really give a direct answer. And the way I want to view this, and I don't know if this is right, because, you know, I'm only human, but I bet God smiles as Satan mumbles his little stupid answer. And I bet God smiles at him and he says, well, then you've probably noticed Job. Actually, he says, my servant Job. And then what's crazy to me, what boggles my mind, is that God describes Job to Satan. He describes this man to Satan. He's like, hey, just in case, Satan, just in case you missed it, you know, Job, he's the one who is like no other. There's no one else like him on earth. Right, he's, the man, he's, the, he's that man who you've noticed who has complete integrity, that man who fears God, the man who turns away from evil. That one? Oh, that one. Yeah, he's, like, he's like that one. See, what's nuts to me and what's, what's just crazy, if you really think about it, is Job is known on earth for having a great reputation. We understand that part of it. Like, we get that because we know people who have good reputations. Hopefully a lot of us in here, we have generally good reputations with the people around us. But Job, he's not, just, he's not just known for having a good reputation on earth. Job is known in heaven by his reputation. Isn't that crazy? I mean, just think about that for a moment. Job has his life so put together, so, so he's got his life so put together that he's literally known everywhere, in heaven and on earth, not for his wealth, 
not for his riches, but for his integrity, his fear of God, and his turning away from evil. That's what Job is known for. It's funny, because Satan knows exactly who Job was by his reputation. God describes, God describes Job, and Satan's like, oh, yeah, that guy. All right, verse 9, next verse. It says, Satan answered the Lord. And Satan challenges Job's reputation, actually attacks Job's, Job's reputation. He says, does Job fear God for nothing? Come on, God. Haven't you placed a hedge around him in his household and just everything that he owns? That he, owns? he says, you have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything that he owns and he will surely curse you to your face. Notice he doesn't say he will surely curse you, but Satan actually goes a step farther. He says he would curse you to your face, God. See, Satan, he's just like, are you kidding me right now? God, do you actually believe for a second that if you hadn't given him all his stuff, like all his wealth and all his success, that he, that he, that he would, you know, that he would actually, do you actually believe that he would still worship you? You think he would worship you if you didn't give him all that stuff? Of course he's going to worship you. You made his life so good. He's, he doesn't have to suffer. He doesn't do anything. You gave him all this stuff. If you took that away, God, I promise you, he would curse you. He would, if he had the opportunity, he would curse you straight to your face. See, what's Satan doing here? Well, Satan's standing there accusing Job. And by the way, he is always accusing us. Did you know that? Actually, that's one of, the, one of the names of Satan that we see in the Bible. He is known as the accuser. All right, that's what he does. In Revelation chapter 12, we see that, uh, that God tells us that Satan, he, uh, he's always there. And he, actually, Revelation chapter 12 says he, he accuses the brethren uh, before God night and day. And the brethren, this is, this is the church, not the building, all right, but the people, those people who truly have a relationship with God. That's who he's accusing. He's accusing them night and day. Right? That means Satan is accusing me. That means Satan is always accusing you. Like he hates us. He, he points out all of our flaws. He points out all of our sin to God. He's trying to, he always trying to remind God of our reputation, what we're known for. He's always trying to remind God of who we really are. In the New Testament, um, we see kind of an aspect of this uh, where you guys remember that, that time where Jesus, he's talking to Peter. Actually, it's the, it's the Last Supper. It's the last night before uh, Jesus dies on the cross. But, uh, but he, he, remember what, what Jesus says to Peter? He says, hey, look out. Because Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Doesn't that freak you out a little bit? Like, wouldn't that freak you out a little bit if you were in Peter's position? Right? You're like hanging out with Jesus, everything's good because you're with Jesus, you just ate a meal, you know, you're eating with Jesus, everything, everything's tight. And, uh, and then God, Jesus, he looks over at you and he's like, he's like, hey, yeah, you know what? Satan has been asking for you by name. Wouldn't that freak you out? But Jesus says, hey, but don't worry, I'm in your corner. I got your back. All right, but FYI, Peter, Pete, he's after you. He's coming for you. See, for some reason, we have this thinking that, I don't know, it's just because we like two equal sides or, or what, but we have this thinking that, like, Satan, you know, it's like in one corner you got Satan, in the other corner you got God, and they're, like, kind of equals, and, and they're going to battle it out, and one, per, you know, good versus evil, and one's going to win, and, and, but that's not, that's not how it is at all. 
All right, Satan and God are not equals. Satan and Jesus are not equals. I mean, we see that. That's just not the case. Satan couldn't touch Peter without God's permission. All right, Satan, he can't touch Job without God's permission. It actually wasn't always like that. The Bible tells us that God, he made, God created Satan. He created, Satan was originally, he was a powerful angel. He was the most beautiful angel that God created. And uh, the Bible gives Satan um, um, names like angel of light and the morning star. That sounds good. But just like us, Satan, he wanted to be like God. Remember, just like Adam and Eve, just like how they messed up, Satan also messed up. He wanted to be like God, and so he actually rebelled against God. And when he did that, the Bible tells us that he took a, a third of the angels followed Satan. A third of he took a third of the angels with him, and God kicked him out. Why? Because God's in charge. And now, what he's doing? What is he doing? Well, he is wreaking havoc in our world. That's what he does. Always trying to disrupt God's plans. The Bible says he's like a prowling lion, all right, lion, looking for someone to devour. He's always trying to knock us down. He's always trying to mess us up. And here's this guy named Job. And, and Job has got this great reputation, and he's a righteous man, much more righteous than any of us in this room. He's a guy who God himself describes as there is no one else like him. He's having complete integrity, who fears God and turns away from evil. This guy who's got this great reputation, and he's known for, for just being a good person, Satan is there, standing there, and he's accusing him. What do you think he's saying about you? You ever think about that? Because I know for me, I know Satan's got a lot more dirt on me than he did Job. And so that's kind of just where I want to land this morning. I just want to think, well, what's your reputation look like? Actually, what are you known for? What are you known for? Like if I were to go ask your boss what they thought of you, what would they say? Or if we were to ask a coworker what they thought of you, not like your best friend coworker, all right, I'm talking like the coworker that kind of drives you crazy, you know? You guys know. I see you guys looking at each other like, eh. What if I were to go ask them what they thought of you? What would they say about you? Or I know people got family issues. What if I were to go ask your brother or your sister what they thought of you? What would they say? Or maybe your in-laws, what would they say about you? Or maybe it's somebody, maybe I went and asked somebody that you just don't like, that drives you nuts, that just annoys you. What would they say about you? Would they say something like, well, yeah, I, you know, Bob, that's someone who, they have complete integrity and they fear God and turn away from evil. Is that your reputation? Or would it be something else? See, the Bible teaches us that our reputation and what we are known for matters. Actually, the New Testament teaches us that we as Christians, which isn't everybody, every single person in this room, but those of us who have truly started a relationship with God and, and invited him to be a part of our life, all right, the Bible tells us that those of us who are true Christians, that we actually represent Jesus. Like our reputation is actually Jesus' reputation. All right, we are his representatives. All right, what we are known for represents Jesus. Like it matters. The Bible tells us it matters. Proverbs chapter 21, 
I think. 22 says, a good name is to be chosen over great wealth. Or favor or reputation is another word that could be there. Is better than silver and gold. See, we all got this, you know, we all got this idea that, hey, we want to be known for this. We want to be known for that. And, and, and wealth, while wealth is not bad in any means, that seems to be the thing that we try to strive for the most. And here Solomon's like, hey, forget about wealth. You want a good reputation. That's what matters. See, it's interesting here that Job, he was inconceivably rich, right? I mean, we know that. The Bible tells us more rich than what we could ever imagine. And, and he was a great leader. We see that. And he was known for being a family man. We see that. But he was known, and all that stuff is good, right? And he was known on earth for that stuff. But even more than his, even more than all that, Job was known a lot more for his goodness. He was known for his integrity, for his fear of God, and for turning away from evil. That's what he was known for, way more than being the richest man maybe on the planet. See, I think a lot of us, we need to be a lot more like Job. And I think a lot of times, we throw this type of reputation out the window. Right? We, we, we do. It's like, we, you know, we don't necessarily, we're good. We want to be known as a good person, of course, but it's not necessarily a thing that we, that we strive after. Right? What do we usually, what usually do we want to be known for? Well, we want to be known as, as somebody who has wealth and, and, uh, and, you know, a good leader and a family man and, and a good boss and, or, or a good businessman or a good, maybe some of us is just like, you just want to be a good mom and that's what you want to be known for. Or some of you, it's like to be a good coach. Some people, right? They're like still stuck in the past. Like, hey, you know, because think about it. We all get some sort of a say. We all kind of get to pick, maybe not 100%, but we all kind of get to pick what we're known for. That's what we're living for, right? Some of us, we're still stuck in the past where it's like, you know, yeah, you know, 30 years ago, I did this cool thing, or I used to be this, and so that's who I am, you know? Some of you, you're like uh, Uncle Rico. You're like, well, I was a good, I was a great athlete in high school. I was a quarterback, and you know, that's who I am. But you're like 50 years old, man. It's like, come on, move on. I was a college athlete. You're not anymore. See, for some of us, that's what we choose for a reputation. It's like we're still stuck on something that we did a long time ago, or we're, or we're striving, hey, look at me, I got this nice car, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the community leader, or whatever it might be. But we don't give much thought to the much more important aspect to our reputation, which is integrity, fearing God, and turning away from evil. Those are the things that God cares about. So some of us, we just need to be challenged on that this morning. Some of us, we just need to think, okay, knowing that Satan's always accusing me, knowing that Satan's always pointing out my flaws, right? And, 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 what do, and, and I'm always striving for, you know, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the good coach. I'm a great coach. I try, to help, I try to help kids. Not that that's bad. None of that stuff that I mentioned is bad. But is that your number one thing? Because our number one thing should be exactly what we see here in Job's life. Integrity, fearing God, and turning away from evil. And that's, by the way, exactly what Satan is attacking. He's attacking what hurts him the most. In verse 12, this is how God answers. God says, very well. Everything he owns is in your power. However, however, do not lay a hand on Job himself. See, Satan can't do anything without God's permission. And so Satan left the Lord's presence. 
it's interesting to me that God, you know, God could have said something like, I don't, answer, I don't have to answer myself to you. I don't have to answer myself to some created being, some being that I created. I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to listen to this. That's not what God says. Ironically, God says, okay, let's test him. Let's see if you're right. But you may not touch Job. So Satan leaves the throne room of God. He starts planning. He starts coming up with this, well, his ideas. You know, he's probably got all kinds of ideas of how to mess up Job's life, how to mess up a Job's reputation, how to mess up this man of great reputation. And what Satan's about to do is he is about to knock Job down. And we'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. God, we um, thank you for this story. And we just scratched the surface this morning, and, and God, we, we all suffer. We all have issues in our life. Life doesn't go easy for all of us, but God, you're there to help us through. Lord, we thank you for an example, a great example of our, the reputation that we all need to have, especially as Christians, especially as being your representative. God, help us to represent you right Help us to become people who are, have great integrity, great integrity, people who are known for having great integrity, who fear you and who turn away from evil. God, that's what you want for our life. God, we can't do that without your help. God, you'd ask, we'd ask that we'd be known for that. And Lord, we thank you for everything. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.